Welcome in to another episode of the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. We are here today about a week and two days away from the season when the Texans and the Chiefs will be kicking off on September 10th, which is the Thursday night game. Um, and today we're going to be going over the top 12 running backs. Um, but before we get into that, let's get through some news from training camp. And now that both my main drafts are over, it is time to break out the hype train. I've taken Damian Harris. I'm ready to board the hype train. And here's the report from camp. Damian Harris broke off a long TD run on the first play of scrimmage. You know what, Will? You called me before a show when we did a mock draft in, I would say, the end of July. And you're just like, watch out for Damian Harris. So I'm going to give you the credit on this one. And please speak to Damian Harris real quick. Yeah, it just it started at Alabama when he was just fast, explosive, all his touches. He just was productive. He made smart reads, coming off line of scrimmage, found the holes. And then I was like, he goes to New England, and he's have a huge stable of running backs. And last year, he just never really found his place, never got any production. But now, like, Sonny Michel is dealing, dealing with injuries. Rex Burkhead, who knows what the hell he is. Um, like, they just don't have any proven options. They signed Lamar Miller who's coming off a major like, knee injury. So the opportunity window has opened for him, and it looks like he's finally starting to take advantage. I still don't think he becomes a workhorse. I don't think anyone in this offense becomes a workhorse, but I don't think you need that. Um, James White's still going to get a lot of passing work, but if he's your two-down back with occasional third-down work, he could have tremendous value, especially because he's going so late in fantasy drafts. Yeah, I was texting Will during my draft. I got him in the 10th round, and I already had... McCaffrey, Ronald Jones, and Jonathan Taylor on my team. So I already had three guys who I'm fine starting. I'm going to probably start two running backs and three wide receivers at my, at my flex. But Damian Harris is my fourth running back with all that upside. It just looks great from the perspective right now. Yeah. Um, second piece of news, we talked about Zach Moss a little bit earlier, but uh, the word out of Buffalo training camp is that Devin Singletary is having fumbling issues. I know you claimed um, after watching some Zach Moss state that he's the better running back. And do you think this is his opening to take that starting job from Singletary? We'll see. I still think Singletary opens as the presumed like or like the starter. I guess I still think he gets the early down workload at the, at the beginning of the season. But I just like he's exciting. He's like a he's an exciting fo- football player to watch. But he's not as good as people think he is. He's not like really strong. He's really small. And if these fumbling issues are real, that's the main thing that keeps guys off the field. So we saw Chris Carson, even when he was like really good in Seattle, when he fumbled, Pete Carroll took him right the hell off the field. So if Singletary is fumbling, it's going to mean Zach Moss is going to get touches. And once Zach Moss starts to get touches, I don't think he looks back. So I still like Zach Moss a lot. I'm still going to have a bunch of shares of him. I don't think Singletary is going to all of a sudden just not have any sort of role in the offense. But... If I'm someone that has already drafted him or is thinking about drafting him, I'd be pretty concerned. All right. Well, before we get uh, keep going, I just got a notification from Ian Rappaport. Chargers star safety Derwin James is likely to miss significant time with a meniscus injury he suffered during today's practice. <laughs> like, this happened last year with Derwin James. He's a defensive player of the year candidate, and he's just an all-around amazing talent from everywhere on the field and this is this one hurts for a team that was already depleted on offense and was going to rely on their defense a lot yeah it had this was going to be one of the best secondaries in the league and he's going to miss i would say half the season at least with a meniscus injury yeah i i mean i haven't been a huge proponent the chargers are going to be great this year 
this definitely hurts a lot. I've actually been more on the Las Vegas Raiders, I guess you can call it a bandwagon, but this makes me feel better about that choice. Obviously, the Chiefs are still the, the clear division leaders, but I think the Raiders have a pretty good shot. The Chargers, the defense, even without Derwin James, still a ton of talent to go around, but losing that playmaker really, really hurts. It's going to be a tough few days for me to get over that one. <laughs> Definitely a tough show. Because I know your expectations weren't high for the Chargers. Mine were, as a fan. Yeah. I wanted at least 8-8, eight and eight, but this one doesn't look as good. But let's move on to your team. Oh, boy. Adam Gase. And before we just get to the quote, this is our first live sound drop. This is our Adam Gase sound drop. drop. Let me know what you guys think. It's a whoopee cushion sound effect. Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, so Adam Gase, the little fart, says that it's a 60-40 split for Bell and Gore, and the reporter from The Athletic says that Gore has been the best back in camp. He's infinite. He is all. Frank Gore. <laughs> oh, my God. Does Adam Gaze have some vendetta against Le'Veon Bell? I mean, he also wanted to bring in Kalen Balazs, who failed his physical today, but <laughs> what do we think about this? Adam Gaze just gets on my nerves. Like, I don't think he's a bad play caller. I think he makes for a actually a pretty good coordinator if that's what he's going to be but as a head coach as a leader of a team as kind of CEO I just don't think he has what it takes like Le'Veon Bell is so much better than Frank Gore Frank Gore like he borderline doesn't deserve a roster spot I know like he's an ageless wonder like he's awesome but like last year he was really inefficient for Buffalo he like he has no explosiveness like there's nothing that he does better than Bell and I, I know that, that Bell and Gase like, talked it out after practice like in a long meeting, so maybe they're going to work it out, but this just uh, just pisses me off. Get, like, just give Le'Veon Bell his touches. I get they want to like reduce his workload because he was fatigued last year, but come on, 60-40. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Like, and they were saying that uh, Le'Veon Bell had like the quietest amount of touches in uh, for fantasy. It was like 300-some touches, so I didn't even think he had that many, but... And also, he was 3.2 uh, yards per carry last year, which will be better. I, I just think it's weird, the whole um, Jets situation with their running backs. Well, yeah, then, well, um, one more thing is that uh, yeah, they they avoided the trade for Kalen Balage, so they're not going to get him now. And then also, I think, as of today, Michael Pirine suffered, their uh, rookie fourth-rounder, I want to say, running back, suffered a potentially serious ankle injury. So if he's also missing... A lot of time that would leave Bell and Gore as like the only backs on the roster. Yeah. So maybe Frank Gore just just keeps getting carries. I don't know. I don't want to see. I, it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should avoid Le'Veon Bell in fantasy. Like, I think I do think he'll still be fine. I don't think he his upside. I think his upside is probably a little capped if it is a sixty forty split. But I don't think he's a complete avoid for me. Yeah. I just I don't know. It, it scares me. I think. With all this negative news, there are definitely more safe picks going in that range. But I think Bell still has quite a bit of upside. And with his receiving work share, he should get... He should have a pretty decent weekly floor. Yeah. But like even as a Jets fan, it's just kind of gross and I might end up like just completely avoiding it. I don't know. Yeah. Can we say one thing about the physicals? Well, do you remember a few off seasons ago when the Ravens were going to sign Ryan Grant to like a three year, twenty nine million dollar deal, 
and like everyone on Twitter is like, who is right? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Who is Ryan Grant? Like, what? And then he failed his physical, right? Yeah. Because the Ravens got all that negative feedback, and then he ended up signing like a one-year deal with the Colts. I kind of get a sense of that happening with Kalen Blodge. Might be hurt, yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of negative feedback after they traded a seventh rounder for a guy who had been released. And then he fails his physical. Yeah, I think failed physical is French for buyer's remorse. So Right, there we go. I just, okay, so I'm glad that we're on the same page with that yeah. one. All right, well, let's move on to the quick question. You know, draft season is happening right now. All the drafts are going on a week away from the season. What do you think is, like, the best and worst place to be in the draft in terms of your pick and position? I think you can't go wrong picking first because you get McCaffrey, obviously. But also, drafting the turn can leave you pretty susceptible to runs. Where, like, let's say you pick a running back first round, you a bunch of guys go in this like first and second rounds, then you get, I don't know, like a, a tight end second round or whatever. Like, there's like 20-something picks until your next pick. Like, yeah. If, like, most of those are RBs, you could end up being left with, like, I don't know, like Mark Ingram as their RB2. Like, like... You're just so susceptible to those big time runs, which really hurts. I yeah. personally love drafting in the like five six range, where I know I'm gonna yeah. get at least like Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, or like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and then you get an earlier second round pick, which is nice. And I don't mind drafting towards the end of the second or first round because you can also get guys like Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, uh, Josh Jacobs, those kinds of guys. But, um. I, I personally like to be towards the middle just so I can not be hit by those big-time runs. Yeah, I mean, I think four to six is perfect. Like, Because the thing with me is, like, I think one is fine. Like, I mean, I also just had one, and I got a pretty good team, so maybe that's just me being biased. But the drop-off from, like, McCaffrey to Saquon is so much bigger, in my opinion, than, like, Saquon to Kamara. Right, I, I hate drafting it, too, even, like, three. Yeah, because, because let's say... Like, I think the same thing. Like, I think Saquon to even Clyde Edwards Slayer, Dalvin Cook, I think that drop off's not too big. I actually think the ninth pick is really bad because you have the, your first eight guys. I think it's the first seven running backs that ends with Cook. And then you have Thomas as like the eighth guy. And then, yeah, you're going to get Jacobs. You're going to get the best of that tier of running backs. But then you also have the worst second round pick of. So you could be stuck with like a Jacobs and an Eckler, which is not, it's, it's, not, it's not great. Yeah. You know, it, Jacobs or, or Tyree Kill. I'd rather have the 12th pick where you're getting, like, Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake. So I think the ninth is definitely the biggest drop-off because you're dropping from Michael Thomas to, like, a Josh Jacobs. So Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's a – like, I don't think you're going to be completely your, – your season's not lost if you don't have a great draft. You can always fi- figure it out in the middle of the season with waiver wires and trades. And also, like, with how crazy home leagues can get – guys you would never expect to be available when you're drafting could become available. So, like, if you have a draft pick you don't like, don't be, like, a draft spot you don't like, don't be too, like, worried. Like, if you stick to your rankings, there's always going to be guys available that you like, and you're going to have a good team. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the bulk of the episode. Top 12 running backs. Let's start. Number one, I it was tough for me. <laughs> really was. And it's... Clyde, nope, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the number one running back last season, and he's on an offense that is going to need to throw the ball to him. They're going to, like, he's just going to get the, a 
million touches, and he's very efficient with those touches. There's not much to be said about McCaffrey. Usually the number one running back doesn't repeat, but he is so safe to be a top three running back that like he has the best chance to be a top to 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 like give back on that value of taking him at one. So that's why you're taking McCaffrey at one. And also like when you have a guy that doesn't get a monster workload on the ground, he still gets a lot of carries because he's just a huge volume guy. But when a lot of your volume comes through the air in the passing game, generally you're you're not taking those like hits on every single play. And uh, I think the injury risk for McCaffrey is a lot lower than for some of the other top running backs. So that just makes him even more appealing. If you're drafting number one, there's no one else you should even consider other than McCaffrey. Completely agree. Let's move on to number two. Number two for us is Saquon Barkley. He's my number three, your number two. Um, this was a last-minute change for me. I put Zeke ahead of Saquon. But let's let's focus on Saquon right now. I, I mean, I think he's great. The one thing I will say is, like, I don't know how much I trust the Giants' offense. Um, Giants' team as a whole, their defense is awful. So they might be in situations where they're like, okay, let's test out our young quarterback's arm and let, let him throw the ball 40 times in garbage time. And he's going to chuck it down the field to their wide receivers or Evan Ingram or something. And that's when I'm like, well, maybe Barkley's not going to have a great week. So I think like just where the teams are at, I think that Zeke Elliott has more of a defined um, like volume coming his way than Barkley, but it's not by much at all. Yeah. I mean, the thing I love about Barkley is that he is one of the most explosive ball carries I've seen in a long time where he could take some outside zone where he gets hit three times behind the line of scrimmage and he still takes it 70 yards for a touchdown. Like, he can do that on any given carry. Ze- yeah. Like, guy like Zeke, who I love, doesn't have that kind of explosiveness. And with Barkley, he's a much better receiver than people give him credit for. I think that there's a very real chance he ends up in the like, 60 to 70 catch range, which most people don't seem to think because he's just kind of like a traditional running back, but I don't think he is. If he ends up in the more, like, 30 to 40 catches he probably finishes as a low-end rb1 but if he gets the like monster catch ceiling that i think he can he has a real chance to be the rb1 i don't think he will yeah. but he he has that kind of upside the blowout risk is going to be concerning but even if they're throwing the ball a lot i still think he is involved in the passing game enough to make him a solid play yeah it, it, i agree i just think that like we don't know where daniel jones head at it heads at like he, he might not be the type of quarterback who's going to check it down when they're down by 10, 15 points. Yeah. Like, I just think there's a little bit more risk, and you want to limit your risk at this high in the draft. So I put Zeke ahead of him, but it's not by much at all. Yeah. Should we get to Zeke now? Yeah. So it's number three is Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys. My number two, Will's number four. Um, is, it, the thing is, like, Ezekiel Elliott had no bust weeks last week, uh, last, last year. Yeah. He had he didn't have many boom games, but you're not gonna lose like he's never gonna lose you your league. Right. And yes, yeah, Saquon did get hurt, but Saquon's injury lost you your league if you took him. I, I had Saquon last year and that's what happened to me. But Zeke is very durable and he's always gonna give you your fifteen to twenty weekly points and you're gonna be happy with it and it's gonna allow you to have upside plays at your wide receiver and flex spots that will help you win your week. Yeah, I think the concern for Zeke in some ways is actually similar to Saquon Barkley because the Giants defense is really bad. The Cowboys defense looks like it's going to be really bad too. But the reason I have Zeke lower is because the Cowboys should be a high-volume passing offense even when they're 
like in the games, even when they're not trailing, because they right. have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Even Blake Jarwin's like a relatively high-volume target at tight end, too. So with all these passing guys, I think Zeke is less of a receiving threat than he used to be. And then that all that combined with the lack of weekly upside because he doesn't have those monster like explosive runs for like 70 yards i still think he's really safe um and if you take him over guys like saquon barkley and camara then i have no problem with that but it's just like it's nitpicking yeah with these guys i i just think that like okay the floor for i i think the floor for zeke is like running back five and the and the he probably can't be the running back one because of that upside but i think like he's the ceiling is probably running back two so, in the range of outcomes is very projected. Like it's very easy to predict, and you want your running back to end that high. Like I think Saquon, there's a there's a world where he's not a top five running back in fantasy. Yeah, we saw it last year. I know it was injury, but still, there were some games where you'd question why he wasn't getting the ball. It's not his fault at all. It's just it's the Giants' offense and their defense is not helping out. I I still think Zeke's going to be involved in the passing game a lot as well. He's a very he's yeah. a very talented passing back. I think he's underrated in that part of his game as well. Yeah, and like we need to note that like injuries are a huge deal. Where if you could guarantee me sixteen games out of Alvin Kamara, like if you couldn't guarantee me about anyone else but that but Alvin Kamara, he'd be the number one overall pick. Because right. like if you can have that guarantee for like full health, then that's just more important than any sort of like upside. So Elliot has been healthy throughout his career, which is like really great to see and why he's such a valuable pick. I do have concern about his age, though. He has, like, I've seen decline in his level of play in the past couple of years. I don't think he falls off a cliff, but I'd rather pick an ascending back like Saquon Barkley or Isolink Alvin Kamara can get better, whereas Zeke is more on the way down. I still love Zeke. I have no problem picking him, but with these top guys, it's it's nitpicking, and those are the things that make him lower for me. I, I don't really know if I agree with that take that he's lost talent. I mean, I think the only decline that we've seen is maybe because they've lost offensive linemen. I mean, he had the best offensive line in the league when he was a rookie. They've lost Travis Frederick since then. They've lost, they've lost a few other guys. So maybe the offensive line has gotten worse. I don't think that Ezekiel has gotten worse at all. He hasn't had, he hasn't had the same explosiveness. Like, he hasn't, he can't, he can't take a, a carry like 60 yards anymore. I just don't see that anymore. I don't think that's the type of back that he is, though. He's the type well, he, of back that's going to run between the tackles and and keep the, the the drive alive. Well, like earlier in his career, he would get like a screen pass and take it like seventy yards. He's not just not doing that kind of stuff anymore. I don't like he's not bad. He's not washed up at all. Like he's still a great player, but he like the he hasn't lost his skill as a running back per se. I just think he's lost his explosive like some of his explosiveness to the point okay. where. He's not quite at the level that he has been in the past. Obviously, still great. All right. Well, let's move on to running back four. We have Alvin Kamara. Um, he's my number five running back. He's your number three running back to average out at four. And, um, like, again, I it's really nitpicking with these guys. My thing with Kamara, I have him at five because he missed some games last year. I think out of most of these top five backs, except for Dalvin Cook, he's probably the most injury-prone guy. Um, and... He isn't. He doesn't have the workload that the other guys do, and that's maybe because the Saints don't want him to get hurt. 
They know the risk is there, and they want to limit the amount of times they're putting him in a risky spot. So they give the ball to Latavius Murray. I'm not saying that he doesn't have enough volume to be a top-five back. I think he does. If you're going to give one of the most talented running backs in Alvin Kamara 14, 15 carries a game and six targets a game, seven targets a game, you're going to be happy with your output. I just think that will he be there the whole season? Maybe not. Will he get the amount of touchdowns that we've seen him get in the years past? Maybe not, because... Uh, last year, on a 16-game basis, they were giving the same amount of red zone, five zone touches to Kamara and Latavius Murray because they didn't want him to get hurt and maybe because they thought that Murray was just as good in the red zone. What is your thought about Alvin Kamara? Because I know you have him ranked at three. Well, like, pump the brakes on last year a little bit because last year he wasn't healthy and he was playing at what he called like 70% maybe. He, like, he, he didn't have that same explosiveness that we've seen in the past from... All reports that I've heard uh, in camp and throughout the offseason, he is fully back to where he was before his injury. And before his injury, he was the most efficient back in the NFL, where he wasn't getting a ton of targets. Like they had Mark Ingram when he was uh, much younger, or when he was in his early couple of years, and now they have Latavius Murray. But even with fewer touches than other top running backs, he would get like almost six yards of carry. He would get like. 9, 10 yards per reception. He was just, like, super efficient with all his touches. And when you have a player that's that efficient and they're getting fewer touches, it actually reduces the injury risk. So I think despite the injury last year, I think he's not actually injury-prone as a player, which makes me more excited about him. I don't think his efficiency is going anywhere. Uh, The target share in New Orleans is still pretty consolidated between him, Michael Thomas, now Emmanuel Sanders... Um, and they still have Jared Cook, but like it's it's those four guys. So he's not gonna get like twenty carries a game, but he's never gotten twenty carries a game, and he's still always been a one of the top running backs. So I think he's still great, and I don't think he's at an elevated injury risk at all. Maybe not. Okay, let's move on to number six. Uh or number five, sorry. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the rookie out of Louisiana State playing for the Kansas City Chiefs who got the starting role after uh, Damian Williams dropped out of the season for COVID and for his family. Um, I have Clyde at four, and you have him at five. So I have Clyde ahead of Kamara because it's this is all opportunity to me. I think Clyde will get, maybe, will get less targets on a per-season basis. I expect Clyde, who hasn't played, who doesn't have nearly as much wear and tear on his body as Kamara does, to play a full season. And to play, I think the opportunity in a Kansas City backfield is greater than the opportunity in a Saints backfield that, yes, Kamara is the lead back, but he's not going to be getting the same amount of percentage of snaps that Clyde will if he's the lead back in Kansas City. I think Clyde's going to be on the field for at least 80% of the snaps. I think Kamara will too, but I expect Clyde to be there. Like, I don't think there's any way. They don't have the guys to field any other snaps. He's by far the most talented guy there. And the Chiefs, Andy Reid uses the workhorse back method um, over all his years. He used Damian Williams in the workhorse back method, even though he's not that talented. So I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as a workhorse back, getting the uh, targets that he will, I have him as a top-four guy. Yeah, the the only thing I really give Edwards-Hilaire over Kamara uh, is, A, I guess, the offense he's in, which in turn is, I think his touchdown upside is higher than Kamara. And... I think there's a real chance that Edwards Hilaire can get like 15 touchdowns, which is awesome. And if he does, he could be the RB1. My concern is A, 
well, I love him as a talent. I haven't seen him in the NFL yet, which is always a concern. And B, they still have DeAndre Washington, who they signed in free agency, who's not he's not a great player, but he always gets touches. And I just I'm not because I haven't seen Edward Slayer in the NFL yet, I'm not ready to just assume he's just like safe lock for twenty twenty five touches a game. Obviously, I still love him. He's still my number five player. But, like, just that little bit of uncertainty is what puts him behind Kamara for me. It's not a lot. DeAndre Washington couldn't even be out an out-of-retirement Marshawn Lynch for carries. I don't think he's going to have any role in this offense unless Kyle Rosalaire tears his ACL or something. He got carries last year in, when he was in Oakland. Like, I guess. Like, he was the backup to Marshawn Lynch when Marshawn Lynch was on his last legs. And... I, he's not a bad running back, but if you're going to tell me, like, the Chiefs are going to, they're a very talented team in a very, like, they want to win the their division. I don't think they're going to be giving the ball to DeAndre Washington to win their division. That's just not what they do. Like, Andy Reid plays their best running back. If you give DeAndre Washington four or five carries a game, fine. I, well, like, well, Washington isn't gonna, he doesn't get a ton of carries. He got 100 carries last year. But he's also more of a reception back. That's what he was in Oakland. I think last year, despite being the second, sometimes third running back with, like, Jalen Richard in there, too. He's still got 36 catches. So, he also has some passing work, which I think he'll get in Kansas City. I don't think, like... Connor Richelaire is a much better pass catcher than Josh Jacobs, and John Gruden just doesn't want to use Josh Jacobs in that role. I I just... I'm sorry that I'm not nervous about DeAndre Washington impeding on Clyde Edwards-Lair volume at all. Okay, okay. I'm not trying to say that, like... Edward Slayer is like gonna. It's like it's not a committee. It's not a committee at all. But he, Edward Slayer is not like a huge running back, and he ha, he's never really had like a massive workload outside of one season. Five nine two oh five. He's pretty thick. Outside of <laughs> one season at LSU, he hasn't had that like massive workload. So to just instantly project him for like 20, 25, 25 touches a game in the NFL. It's possible. I don't think it's certain, though. I think the certainty of Alvin Kamara is greater than Edward Tillaire, and I guess we can agree to disagree on that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott be outstanding in their rookie seasons, even though we didn't know if they could handle the workload right away. I guess Saquon was different because we saw him be great for two years. But again, I don't think that you can just... like. I think that rookie running backs are completely different than rookie wide receivers in the fact that we can we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to handle the workload if he's getting the first team snaps and Andy Reid like puts in play that method that we're using workhorse back he wants to play the best player on the field on every snap and Clyde Edwards Slayer is their best running back by far right and I still have him at number five and even number four it's not a huge difference okay let's move on to number six Derrick Henry um I think the only thing that the only reason why Derrick Henry is in the top five is because this is half PPR rankings and he's not as high volume-wise on catching passes and as talented catching passes as the top five guys. And that's basically it. Like, he's going to get over 300 carries, probably over 1,400 yards, probably over 13, 12 touchdowns, and you're going to be very happy with him. He's just not going to be a top five running back. Yeah, and he doesn't really need to be. The thing about Derrick Henry right. is, like, that offense is completely built around him. And the offense goes as he goes. And we saw last year, Tannehill wasn't a high-volume passing quarterback. And the Titans never really 
they never got blown out of games, even when they lost. And that was because they just ran the ball so effectively. So even though I project the Titans to be worse this year than they were last year, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to be trailing in games by like 21 points every single week. They're not like a shitty team. So Derrick Henry, he's not going to be in a bunch of blowouts where he's just not involved at all. So his workload is really safe. And if this if this was standard format, he'd be top four. So that's yeah. like just the receptions are the only knock against him. As a running back, he's one of the most talented runners of the football in the entire NFL. So that's all I have yeah. to say about him, really. Yeah, all right. Let's move on to number seven, Dalvin Cook. This is basically the tier break. He's the last guy in the top tier. Honestly, though, I put McCaffrey in a tier of his own, and then the next yeah. five guys in their or six guys in their own tier. But yeah, Dalvin Cook at seven. Um, had a breakout year last year. I think he was the running back two or three on the season. Missed the last three games um, and hurt people in their finals because they had to choose between Mike Boone and Alexander Madison as the backup, and it wasn't clear who was the back who was going to get the touches. So. Dalvin Cook, you, if you take Dalvin Cook, you have to invest in Alexander Madison in the ninth or 10th round. It's, it's a must because Dalvin Cook is very injury prone. I don't think he's gotten through a full season of football. You have the contract dispute, which doesn't seem like a dispute anymore, but it's always going to be there until he signs a long-term deal. Um, I just think, like again, Dalvin Cook, there's not much against him. And taking him in the top eight, you should be happy with that. But if we're nitpicking, he has the most issues out of these seven guys. Yeah, he's a really talented player, and I I got burned by him actually two years ago when I picked him. I don't know like what round I picked him in, but uh, I had him and Leonard Fournette that year, and they both got like major injuries. Mm-hmm. So that was disappointing. And last year I avoided him because I thought there was higher injury risk, and then of course he plays almost the entire season and breaks out. But I'm not going to focus on those years. I'm just going to look at just this year. And this year... My main concern with Alvin Cook isn't actually the injuries. I'm just really scared of that Vikings offense. Because For sure. the offensive line, there are some good players on it, but it's not like a super strong, cohesive unit. They lost to Fawn Diggs. And then also their defense just lost so many guys. They have a ton of rookies. I think they drafted like 14 players in the draft this year. Like just like There's a major defensive overhaul for the Vikings defense. I just they also traded for Yannick and Gawkway today. That is true. So that, that will help their defense for sure because they lost Everson Griffin to the Cowboys. So that that will help. But there's a lot of unknowns with this team as a whole. I don't really know what to make of them. And because of that and because I know they have running backs that can also get carries behind him in Madison and I guess maybe Boone, but mostly Madison, there's, just, there's more uncertainty for me with Alvin Cook than the other six guys, which is why I have him slightly lower than... Then I guess most people have him at number five. We have him at number seven, so we're both pretty low on him. Yeah, I I just trust like I just trust the five guys. Maybe not even Derrick Henry. I think that one's pretty close for me. But I think there is a clear drop off between like Clyde edwards layer and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing is the Vikings offense. I mean, I expect them with Kubiak as the offense coordinator, still running the Stefanski type scheme. They're gonna they're gonna hand the ball off a lot. I just don't know if I trust that offensive line, and for him to stay on the field for 16 games. And it's tough when he's your – like you're investing in that position, in the running back for the Vikings. You have to draft Alexander Madison. That's like the, one of yeah. the only situations where you're forced to draft the, the, um, the handcuff. Thank you. So, yeah. yeah, that's it for Dalvin Cook. Let's move on to eight. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. I know we haven't finalized the rankings, but Miles Sanders is your eight. He's my nine. 
he, I was very high on Sanders, and I still am, but the recent injuries of Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard, it makes it tough, especially the Dillard one who plays left tackle, because Sanders is going to be forced to stay in and pick up. I mean, Peters has, is planning to move to left tackle if he gets a pay raise, but I think that now at 38 or 39 years old, Jason Peters is a drop-off from Andre Dillard, and I think Sanders might be forced to stay in and block for Carson Wentz more than we would have liked him to instead of going out for those routes because he's such a great pass catcher. So Miles Sanders is still great. He's still going to get a lot of targets and a lot of carries. I, I just think this all-around team is downgraded in the past few weeks. So, yeah. That's certainly fair. I Tackles generally don't actually have as big of an impact on the running game as guards do just because guards are inside and they're creating those holes. They still have a great center, and they still have, uh, they still they, like they still have talent all over the, the offensive line. the The injuries are very concerning for sure, but just like seeing last year, Sanders was the lead running back. Um, the only guy behind him is Boston Scott. They didn't bring in any veterans whatsoever. They didn't bring in like Devonte Freeman or Carlos Hyde, any of those guys. Right. They trust Miles Sanders. He's their guy. Which is yeah, and they really good to see. They threatened to bring in a veteran, but and Miles Sanders even got hurt in training camp for a little bit, and they still didn't bring anybody in. Right. So they trust Sanders for sure. But keep going with what you were saying. And the thing is, like, he is an amazing pass catcher. Like he like he was a rookie last year, and generally rookie running backs do not show much in the receiving game because that's a much more nuanced part of playing the running back position. He he was running like receiver routes the entire time he was on the field. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, I love him as a talent. He showed clear improvement throughout his rookie season. Whereas early in the season he was trying to like bounce every running every carry outside, trying to like hit that big run. And he got tackled behind line of scrimmage, and then over the course of the year started to, like take what's given to him, have a lot more consistent production. I love the talent of Miles Sanders. I think that wins out. I think that his workload is very secure unless he gets a major injury. If you want to take Boston Scott and just secure that backfield, I have no problems with that. Yeah. Um, but I I just love Sanders' talent. I love Sanders' opportunity. And I still think Eagles' offense is very good. Yeah. All right, number nine is Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs has a lot of upside this year. We know he's going to get the carries. We know he's going to get those yards. We know he's going to get those touchdowns. And his snap percentage, even on first and second down, one is, was not as great as we wanted it to be last year. I think that definitely raises to the point where we want it to be coming into his second year. And I think he'll get all the valuable carries in uh, Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland, sorry. But we thought that before the draft, he would get all the passing work. Um, he definitely has the talent to do so. He did it at Alabama. But I don't think John Gruden really trusts him. They brought in Lynn Bowden in the draft and a few other guys. And they just recently signed Theo Riddick. So I definitely think there is... I know these aren't very talented players, but I don't think John Gruden trusts Josh Jacobs to handle a 70-80 target workload. What do you think? John Gruden is one of those coaches that kind of annoys me with his... Just like his... What he does never matches up with what he says. I remember at the scouting combine, he was talking to Chris Sims, and he's like, we want to make Josh Jacobs a great receiving back, and you want to do everything. He's a do-all player. And then the second he does that, he drafts Lynn Bowden and then signs Theoretic. Like, come on, John. Right. So that was frustrating. 
I think he is going to, even if he doesn't get like a huge receiving workload, he still gets more than he got last year. Yeah. Uh, last year was definitely a floor in terms of receiving. Then as a runner, he's just incredibly elusive. I think he had the highest elusiveness rating of any running back. He broke a lot of tackles. It's really fun to watch. And I've actually been moving him up recently in rankings. I think I had him lower now. I'm at number nine. Just because I'm actually pretty high on this Raiders offense. Their offensive line has a lot of talent. They have yeah. Trent Brown. They have Richie Incognito, who is a bully, literally, but very talented. Uh <laughs> They have Rodney Hudson, like just a lot of big dudes on that line, great run blockers. So uh, the receiving core, it's iffy. I think Jacobs is the focal point of the offense. The defense, I think, is better than give it credit for. Not a lot of star talent, but a lot of depth for sure. I don't think they're going to be trailing in a ton of games by a lot of points, so the game scripts should never really take Jacobs out of the game. So he's young. An ascending talent. I don't think there's a ton of injury concerns either, so I love taking Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I actually might have to reevaluate. I think Jacobs might be the first guy in that, I guess, third tier of running backs if we put McCaffrey in his own tier. He just seems like he has the most safety uh, mixed with upside if he does get more passing work than last year because like, he's going to get almost 300 carries. I don't. Yeah. Again, I agree with you. I don't think there's many game script where he's played out unless they're getting completely blown out. Yeah. So, and I don't see them really, like, this isn't a team that's going to, they may not win 12 games, but they're not going to lose 12 games. They'll probably be 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they'll compete in most games they're in. They have a decent defense. They have a lot of depth. They have a very good offensive line. So, yeah, I don't see um, them being in a lot of negative game scripts for Josh Jacobs. I think he's definitely very safe. And if you want to take him with your first overall pick back in the, in the end of the first round, then that's definitely a good pick. Yeah. All right, number 10. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals. I, I also think Joe Mixon has a good outlook. I think Joe Burrow is definitely going to be a better quarterback than Andy Dalton was for him um, this year. Mixon, he's a great pass catcher, but I feel like it's kind of the same thing. They don't fully trust him with that pass catching role. Um, again, I think he's great. You can take him with your first round pick. But there are some things that we see with Sanders and Jacobs and there are offenses that we don't see with Mixon. What do you think about Joe Mixon's situation? Yeah, I've always been a believer in Joe Mixon's talent. I think even having him at number 10 where we do is still higher than ESPN. ESPN's like super low right. on him. So if you're drafting on that platform, you can probably get him even after this spot. But Joe Mixon, I guess the main concern is the offense. Just because I saw some stat the other day. It was like, like 80-something percent of like top like RB1s finish on like top 10 offenses, something like that. It was, I don't know what the stat was, something like that. But basically, like the better your offense is, the better the running back is going to be. Right. And while I think there's there's upside with this offense, I like Joe Burrow, I like A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, some of these weapons, the offensive line should be a little better. Is this a top tier offense? I don't think so. No. So... I think the touch, the touchdown upside being on a, a worse offense is definitely lower with a guy like Joe Mixon. I think actually this is like kind of like contrarian, but maybe like the worse the team actually is, the better he does because more garbage time. I don't know, but yeah, he does get a lot of garbage time work. Actually, he gets better as the game goes along right. as well. But I just like, do I want to spend my first pick on a running back? 
that is going to be on a probably like 4 and 12, 5 and 11, 3 and 13 sort of team. I don't know. Like I just it's much better to draft guys on winning teams. I don't know if I'm too low on Joe Mixon. Maybe I'm too high on him. I don't know where I where I stand. But there's just a lot of red flags that make me kind of concerned. The talent is mostly just what makes him number 10 for me. I'm just kind of banking on the talent. Yeah, yeah I I think you should. He's very talented. Let's move on to number 11. Kenyon Drake got traded to the Cardinals in the halfway mark of the season and was just absolutely amazing. Scored in every single game for them. Had, played eight games, had eight touchdowns. He was great last year for the Cardinals, and he was, a workout, he was in the workhorse role even with David Johnson and Chase Edmonds still on the team. I have been fading Kenyon Drake a little bit this past this past week because some injury reports showed up. He was in a walking boot at the end of um, practice, and there's just been so much praise on Chase Edmonds through this training camp. I think I don't think he is going to take away the starting role at all. But Kenyon Drake maybe not doesn't have the work. Uh, I mean, the body to get all the workload like a 300 carry back. He's just not that type of guy. He'll probably still get at least 220 carries at least 70 targets, and he you'll be happy with him. He'll probably be a top 12 running back. Yeah, I like Kenyon Drake. He's almost like a, a Alvin Kamara light kind of player where you're not really drafting him for the, the workload. You're more drafting him for high efficiency, pretty high touchdown upside, and a combination of rushing and receiving work that you love to see running backs. Uh, I don't, I'm not concerned about Chase Edmonds. I never even expected or wanted Kenny Drake to get like a, mo- a massive workload. I'm honestly considering putting him above Mixon just because I'm really high on this Cardinals team as a whole, especially their offense. So when it's two players that I view pre- pretty similarly, I tend to give the edge to the player on the better team. So I I might move Kenny Drake up just because I'm nervous about the Bengals and I'm pretty high on the Cardinals. All right, before we move on to number 12, Kenny Drake is finally free from... Adam Gaze! <laughs> Yay! Let's rejoice! And he's finally going to have a good season because Adam Gaze has... He just doesn't like players who are talented. I guess that's what we can say. Yeah. So, let's move on to number 12, Nick Chubb. Um, again, I was higher on Nick Chubb. I've been cooling on him a lot. And it's basically because, like, I'm a proponent that Kareem Hunt has a big role in this offense. And I do think there's enough carries or go, to go around where they both have a chance to be top 20 running backs. And I think Chubb will end the season as a top 12 running back because of how many carries he's going to get. And he's a very talented pass catcher as well. Not as talented as Hunt, in my opinion. But towards the end of the year when Hunt was in the offense, not suspended anymore, they had the same amount of top 12 finishes. They were getting similar workloads. It was almost a committee. And that's not what I want in my first round draft pick. What do you think about Nick Chubb? Well, this is a weird situation because I think if both guys are healthy, uh, neither of them pay off their ADP. Yes, I agree with that. Where, like, Chubb's going pretty early in drafts. If both guys play 16 games, Chubb's probably, like, a high-end RB2. uh, And Hunt, he's, like, a borderline flex play. If Chubb goes down, Hunt becomes an RB1, top five play. If Chubb go, or if Hunt goes down, Chubb becomes a top five play. So right. I would rather draft 
Hunt just because they I think they both have the exact same upside and Chubb is just like he's going way higher in drafts and he obviously right, has right. the higher floor but I'd rather draft like Kenyon Drake and then draft yeah on a Cream Hunt. I'm com- I completely agree with you. I think that if Cream Hunt hadn't been suspended, hadn't um, been involved in that assault, he would still be a, a top five fantasy pick on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's how talented he is. I think they have two top 15 talent-wise running backs on that team. And even if he goes to the Browns after, and he hasn't been involved in that assault, he could be the starting running back. I think there was a notion coming in that he was going to be the backup because they were trading for him and he was going to be suspended. He's coming in late to the offense. But now he's had a full training camp and eight games from last year to get acclimated to this offense, and he could be the starter. I know we haven't heard that out of training camp, but he has the talent to do it. Yeah, it's it's definitely scary. So we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, well, yeah. Thank you for watching. We'll see you guys Thursday with the rest of the running backs. I'm very excited. The season is right around the corner. See you guys.